Welcome back to another episode of Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Matt Breen. Bob Brookover and Scott Lauber are on the phone. Guys, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. I'm on the phone. It's it's great. It's it's good phone. Doing great. Doing great. Bob, you got the croissants, you got the coffee, you got the donuts, you all ready to go? Yeah, we got started a little late for breakfast, though. Well, let's call this brunch. Say, this is more like brunch. Yeah. Scott, baseball brunch. <laughs> Scott, you just got back from Detroit just in time to have brunch with me and Bob. And you listened to Matt Klintek two days ago, kind of give a preview of the trade deadline. It, from afar, it seemed like his comments were saying that the Phillies are, in, are okay with not making a big move, with not trading the farm. But to me... It reminded me almost of the comments before the Phillies signed Bryce Harper, Andy McPhail, and Matt Klintak, both to sum up what they said this winter, that it wouldn't be a failure if the Phillies didn't sign a uh, superstar free agent. And it was almost like they were tempering expectations to not sign a superstar free agent. So are the Phillies just tempering expectations, or are they actually content to not make a big move this week? I think it's a little of both, Matt. I think... um I think they've realized that there is no harm whatsoever in Philadelphia in, uh, in tempering expectations. If, if you get people um, convinced, perhaps, that you're not going to make a big move and then one materializes, um, it's a whole lot better than if you build up their hopes and then can't deliver. So I do think that there's some tempering of expectations, but I also think that uh, they are still very much... Uh, looking around to see how they can improve their roster. I, I think they're far more, um, they're, they're certainly in buy mode. I don't think that they're at all in sell mode. And I think that they would much rather add than stand pat. Um, you know, I do think that they realize that making the playoffs, even as a wild card, would not be insignificant, not when you've not been there since 2011. And so if there's a move or moves to be made before the 31st, They'll go ahead and do it, but I also don't think that they're going to, you know, and they've said this, and, and this part I believe, they're not going to put all their cards in the center of the table and say we're all in if the prize at the end of it is simply a wild card and not the division. Now, you know, should they go and sweep the Braves? Maybe that changes things, but uh, I think that as they get closer and closer to the 31st, their, their attitude is we want to add, we want to make a move that we think makes sense, uh, but we, we don't want people to uh, expect that anything huge is going to happen. And so this is the stance that they're taking. Bob, we talked on the podcast last week about possibility of Matt Boyd or Marcus Stroman. I don't think we talked much about Zach Greinke. And that, that's a name that, that had some buzz this week. And, and I think mostly because their, their prospect return would be minimal if you had if you went and got Zach Greinke you're just picking up this huge contract would you be more in the camp of getting of going after the contract of Zach Greinke or would you give would you rather give up something to get if it's a Matt Boyd a Marcus Stroman or you know another controllable young starter it, it, it goes back to well what are you giving up for those those young starters um you know, I he said it to me, and then he repeated it again last week when he when he talked to Scott in uh, in Detroit. You know, he has no problems with what they have and being able to give up in return. He thinks they have plenty. You know, you you often read, especially nationally, that 
the Braves and other teams have a lot more to give up, and that, that may or may not be true. It depends on what a given team is willing to give up. And the, the, the big question to me is, what, what are the Phillies willing to give up? Are they willing to give up Mickey Moniak or Adam Hazley? Because if you're willing to give up one of those two, they're, they're high draft picks that some other teams might value even more than you do. They, they might really like what they've seen, or they, maybe they were a team that, that wanted to draft one of those guys, but you got them just two or three picks before them. So they're, they're interesting names to bring in. To, to go back to your question, what would I rather have? Uh, you know what? I'd, I'd rather have the controllable controllable player if I could get him, the young guy. Uh, but certainly Zach Greinke, especially the way he's pitching this year, uh, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down. You know, if if I can get less, if I can get a pitcher of that caliber at a low price, yeah, I would jump at it. I'd I'd walk to Arizona and put the put the guys you're trading on the mound and come back with Zach Greinke. Did you just say you'd walk to Arizona? I'd walk there if, if I was the Phillies. Yeah, only if I was. It's a long walk, I'm, Bob. I'm, I'm, I'm in terrible shape. I can't walk that far. No, we can't do that. So Bob's walking Arizona, and we saw the Phillies what they did with Drew Smiley last week. So just imagine that none of those controllable starters, Boyd, Stroman, Greinke, are available. The price is too high. The Phillies don't, you know, don't don't want to give up what it takes to get them. And there's a guy out there named Matt Harvey who has a very similar season of Drew Smiley, DFA, struggled, but has a good track record if you go back two years ago. He's been more Bruce Wayne than the Dark Knight. But you, would you, either of you guys take a chance, if you can't make a move on one of these other starting pitchers, to go after a Matt Harvey or Derek Holland? In the case of Harvey, I don't know. I think that there's there are a couple of red flags. There's the, the performance red flag, you know, the way he, he pitched – at the end of his time with the Mets and then during most of his time with the Reds and, you know, and then this year as well. And then there's the, the, you know, kind of the chemistry red flag. I mean, I think the Phillies are, are well aware that last year they brought in some players who, um, for one reason or another, didn't quite fit with the mix in their clubhouse. And the last month and a half of the season, uh, there were some, uh, I wouldn't say major clubhouse issues, but I'm just not sure everyone was pulling on, on the rope, on the same rope. Uh, and I think you look at the guys they've brought in this year, and they've been very careful to talk about, you know, Jay Bruce being a good character guy and Brad Miller, Bamboo Brad, right, being a good character guy. And we've seen that come through. I think they felt the same way about Drew Smiley. I don't know that they can sit there and say that they know for sure that Matt Harvey's going to be a good clubhouse guy and a guy who is going to fit with the rest of the mix. So I think that gives them a little bit of pause uh, when they think about Harvey. Um, but yeah, I think in essence, you're right. You know, you're talking about uh, buy low, uh, low risk kind of guys and Harvey and Holland, and I'm sure they're taking a look. I, I think I think they're probably less likely to do it now that they've done the Drew Smiley deal. I think that, you know, if you're going to have one uh, guy that you're sort of taking a flyer on who's going to pitch in your rotation every fifth day, that's probably enough. Uh, I don't think you want to fill that many rotation spots with that many flyers. And that's what Holland and Harvey would be in, in both of those cases. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Scott on this. I, if I'm going to get a second, you already got a Drew smile and you hope that works out the, the best it can. You know, you, you hope it, it becomes a Charlie Morton or some, one of those things where you didn't see it coming, but it, but it happens. Um, and, and that's fine to do one of those, but 
I think the Phillies are in a position right now if they if they really want to be the wild card, which they really should want to be the wild card. Um, they need to go get one of the the, the big guys, and because I think it, I you know, Scott's talking about the clubhouse things that may or may not been able to blame on the guys they brought in last year, but they but they they seem to be evident, but. On the other side of that, on the other end of that spectrum is when you get one of those big guys. If you get a Grinky or a Stroman um, or Boyd, even after they, you know, they got to see him the other day, you 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 just lift the clubhouse. I think I think the clubhouse just says, "Hey, look at these guys. Look at look at the people in the front office. They're serious. They want to win." And I think that goes a long way, especially when you get to the dog days of of August and September, and now you're in a fight and you're tired. But you see that your your front office is with you. Everybody's, as Scott put it, everybody's pulling the same rope. I think that would be a huge move for this team right now. Everybody's standing sh- sh- shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder, even. I, I like that. You should use that. That's pretty good. Has anybody, has anybody ever used that? And you compared uh, Drew Smiley to Charlie Morton. Well, I said you hope that it becomes one of them. Yeah, but I... Don't, don't put words in no, my mouth. No, I'm not. Green. I'm just saying you're... You're short selling him. Gabe Kapler said he reminded him of Cliff Lee. So, uh, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> there would be some people who told you that Cliff Lee wasn't the greatest guy in the clubhouse either. Sticking <laughs> oh. with the with the rotation, it was in Pittsburgh that Zach Eflin had a rough start, and afterwards, Gabe Kapler said he had a heavy. Eflin had a heavy body, and then Eflin confirmed that that he had a, a heavy body and he said some days it feels like you don't want to get out of bed or it feels like you got ran over by a truck it, it just it did not sound what you wanted to hear from, from your starting pitcher especially a young starting pitcher like Zach Eflin who had such a great start to the season but seems to be fading but he, he's going to start this weekend in Atlanta I was surprised I, I thought they would skip him with the days off obviously they want to get Nola in, in this series against the Braves, but they're going to roll with Eflin. I just, Scott, what was there anything new in Detroit about Eflin's heavy body? And, and is, is there any more of like what that actually means? Gabe Kapler went out of his way to, um, to downplay that whole thing. In fact, I mean, he said, look, the issue here is that there is no issue that Eflin is healthy that as far as they're concerned, he's good to go every fifth day and that uh, it's not uncommon for a player, um, especially a pitcher, in the middle of a season to be dealing with some fatigue. Um, The follow-up to that was, well, is this like a dead arm sort of situation? He said, absolutely not. He said, there's nothing that's that's stopping Eflin from pitching. Um, If there was, they wouldn't be rolling him out there. Um, So he was pretty emphatic about it that there's nothing wrong with him. And it sort of flies in the face of everything you heard in Pittsburgh, Matt. Um, you know, you hear heavy body, you hear can't get out of bed, and you're thinking, like, not only is he healthy, but does he have, I mean, does he have, like, does he have mono? Like, what, like, what's the deal as far as a guy who just is feeling so sluggish? It doesn't seem like it's normal or natural for a 25, 26 year old guy to feel that way. Um, you know, um, and so. They're they're being very very strong in saying that there's nothing wrong with him. Um, I'm like you. I was a little surprised with the with the off days, two of them this week that they didn't use the time to give Eflin a little extra blow because on one hand they're saying he needs it, uh, and on the other hand, um, 
you know, they're saying there's nothing to see here. So at the very least, why not take the days off, give, push him back, give him the rest he seems to need? Um, it's not the first time we've heard about this either. Like, I go back to the start in Atlanta um, a few weeks ago before the All-Star break when, you know, he has a 13-pitch a at-bat with Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first inning, um, first at-bat of the game for the Braves. And uh, after the game, we hear from Eflin that it kind of knocked him back and that um, it sort of he was sort of winded after that. I mean, it's the first inning, right? First batter. And so, again, are you healthy? Is there something wrong? And if there isn't, then... You know, we shouldn't be hearing these things after his start. So at the very least, I thought that they would push him back. Um, and then, you know, you, they could have had Smiley pitch on Saturday, still got Nola on Sunday, and then pushed Eflin into the Giants series next week. Instead, they're going to stay on rotation. It's going to be Eflin on Saturday. Uh, then they bump Nola into Sunday, and they'll, I guess, push Smiley to, to next week. And that was a little bit of a surprise to me, given what we've heard after some of Eflin's recent starts. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with my consistency. Uh, I have a heavy body, and I'm going to say it remains a heavy body. Uh, and, it, and, and it is an issue. But anyway, uh, are you guys there? We're here. Any advice you could give Zach Eflin for the, from a, a guy with a heavy body to a, a guy uh, with a heavy body? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. I highly recommend not pitching, but I don't think the Phillies have a choice here. And it's a, it's a, it's a real concern for this team because you already got Jake Arrieta, who's – you know, become a, a five-inning pitcher out of necessity because of the, the bone spur, uh, as Matt Breen likes to describe it, the marble-sized bone spur. Uh, uh, Thanks for reading. And, and you know, now you got now you got Zach Eflin with these issues. That I, until I see that they're not issues, I'm not going to go with Gabe on this. And then you got a guy who's, you know, I guess I guess the best news about the rotation this week is that Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez pitched well. Which, whoever thought we were going to say that, but those two pitched terrific in Detroit to to help them get two wins. Uh, if if that's what they're going to ride into the wild card, um, I might not put my money in Vegas right now. But you know, certainly this this team's got some real concerns. Uh, they've had them all year, and they continue to have the starting pitching issues. We're going to know there's a problem if Zach Eflin rolls into the Phillies clubhouse Friday with your black roller bag. <laughs> he should, oh, when I know God. you got to him. He should try yeah, pulling that roller true. bag. He thinks he's got a heavy body now. Back to Nick, Nick yeah. Pavetta. Nick Pavetta, bullpen Nick Pavetta. Is that, uh, you know, the Nick Pavetta that everybody wanted to see this year? This He was pegged by almost everybody coming out of spring training to be the big breakout pitcher. He ends up getting sent to AAA, and then then he gets bumped to the bullpen. And his first two outings, at least small sample size, against two not very good teams. But he's been excellent out of the bullpen. Did, did the Phillies maybe use the wrong guy out of the bullpen first when they put Velasquez there? Should this have been Nick's role the whole time? Uh, you know, I think they're. I think they both. I think they both kind of profile as bullpen guys if they if they don't have success in the rotation just because they're you know they're hard throwers they if if they can th learn to throw strikes you you limit the amount of pitches they have to get over the plate and they, they both have good arms so I mean either one could could be a good bullpen piece given you know if, if they're able to make that conversion in their mind and able to handle the the different kind of workload that comes with being in the pen I mean I, 
you know, I, I'm not sure that we're we're done with the Vince Velasquez experiment in the bullpen, to be honest. Especially if the Phillies add a pitcher this week, I would guess that, you know, you would obviously have another, like we talked about this is like on one of the first podcast episodes that the attraction of adding a starting pitcher, I think it was Dallas Keuchel at the time, was that you were sending one of these guys to the bullpen, but now you're going to end up with both of them in the bullpen if you add a starting pitcher before the 31st. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, I, I think we talked about it then, and I was found myself thinking about it yesterday that, um, you know, I mean, at the time it was like, well, which one's a better fit for the bullpen, Pavetta or Velasquez? And I think I said, well, you know, depending on, I think at the time Eikhoff was pitching very well, and I said, well, if if they add a pitcher, then maybe they both end up in the bullpen, and it, it's going to end up that it won't be Eikhoff, but uh, with Smiley, and then I, I still think they're going to add another pitcher before Tuesday. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think that they're going to come away with somebody. I, I believe they'll both end up in the bullpen, uh, Pavetta and Velasquez, and as good as you know they both were in the Detroit series, I, I also... And they both were very good, um, especially Pavetta on Tuesday night in the in the relief appearance, the three and two thirds innings uh, against the Tigers. I found myself saying, you know, it's still the Tigers, and you know, I think if you put Pavetta and Velasquez in AAA, uh, they'll pitch well. And I don't know that that Tigers lineup's a whole lot better than what they'll face in AAA. So I need to see it against a team other than Detroit, um, the worst team in baseball, before I I say that. They're going to be big impact guys in the bullpen. But, you know, again, the talent is there. And and maybe you can harness it for a few innings as opposed to five or six. You know, one of the things, talking about the bullpen, um, that makes you say, and then you, and, and this includes Drew, Drew Smiley's first start, you know, what a, what a wonderful thing it is to have left-handers. Uh, you know, the three left-handers in the Phillies' bullpen have been unbelievable in the month of July. I think combined – Adam Morgan, uh, Ranger Suarez, and Jose Alvarez have allowed one run all month uh, in the month of July. Um, you know, so and they just give a different dynamic to when you have three of those guys coming out of the pen. Uh, how nice would it be to see an established lefty like, a, like a, you know, not that Matthew Boyd's that established, but some, somebody like that in the rotation too, to just always – you're always able to give a different look to the other team. It, it's just it really seems to have helped the Phillies in the bullpen, and maybe now if they can add somebody to Smiley coming out of the rotation, you've got just a whole different look than you had all season. So now it, to wrap this up, we, we've I feel like we talked almost like four different times this summer about this series being or this stretch being the defining stretch of the season, and if they can survive, but. When you sum it up, I think this three-game series with the Braves pretty much, you know, sets this team up for the trade deadline, determines how, what they're at, what the front office's outlook is going to be. And, it, it, yes, they beat up on the Pirates and the Tigers, but the Braves are in first place. I mean, if you beat up on the Braves, that's a statement. So, in closing, do the Phillies take two or th- at least two or three from the Braves and – how big is this series for to determine what happens next Wednesday? You know, it's it's a it's a fascinating that it ended up this way that the, the Braves are going to be the defining if that's the way the Phillies look at it. I mean, because I'm not sure they're looking at the Braves as, as much as this series is go, looking at the wild card. But you know, you sweep the Braves, you're within two and a half games. Um, you you win two out of three, you're within four and a half games. So you're certainly very much in the race. Um, 
you know, I, does does do they win two out of three? I, I, I think they can. Yes, we, I mean the Braves are the Braves were an incredible team in June. They haven't been quite as incredible in July. They have just been okay in July, and then they they're they're coming off consecutive losses to the Royals, uh, who aren't the Detroit Tigers, but only by a little bit, not the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so maybe you're catching the Braves at the right time. You know, you caught them at the right time early in the season. Um, and wouldn't it be fascinating if if we were sitting in the Citizens Bank Park Sunday night and the Phillies are two and a half games behind the Atlanta Braves with the trade deadline looming for Matt Klintek? It, it would almost be like the, the situation, the team that's coming in after them is the Giants who – were a, who were a seller, 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 and all of a sudden they're in the middle of a race because they got hot. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing on uh, general managers when those kinds of things happen. You're thinking of things one way, and all of a sudden they change. Well, we could be looking at that Sunday night with the Phillies. I, th- I think they do win two out of three. Yeah, I mean, think of the drama. So let's say that they win two out of three, and the Giants are coming. And let's say the Giants have a rough weekend, uh, and the Giants are coming in on the trade deadline. You've just taken two or three from the Braves. You're now within striking distance of the division lead. And, oh, Madison Bumgarner's in the other clubhouse. Like, can you just, like, sneak them into yours and, and keep them for the rest of the season? Like, that sets up a very dramatic trade deadline if, if all of those things happen. Like, the Giants all of a sudden, you know, have a rough weekend and feel compelled to sell. And, and the Phillies have a really good weekend and are, are now back in the, in the mix for the division title and feel even more compelled to buy. So... It, it all lines up if, if things play out for, for, like I said, a dramatic trade deadline. Um, I guess ultimately, it, uh, realistically, I don't know how much this Brave series is going to totally change things. I think, you know, for all, for regardless of what they're saying, I think the Phillies are still trying to be opportunistic about making a move here before, before the deadline. And if, if, you know, if they have a good weekend against the Braves, they'll be a little more opportunistic maybe than they would be if they get swept by the Braves. And at the very least, it sort of sets their course definitively. Like they can say, all right, it's going to be the wild card that's going to get us in. Or they can go, hey, you know what? For as poorly as we've played, we're still in this thing for the division title and that changes the calculus. So maybe it sets their course a little bit more clearly. uh, But, um, you know, I still think that they were going to be opportunistic all along about doing something and uh, and I still think they will do something before Wednesday. Do they take two out of three? Yeah, I I I think so. Um, I don't think that's crazy to think they're not going to face Keuchel. Um, you know, they get uh, they get Gosman who hasn't been very good. They get Freed who's been up and down. Uh, having Nola go sat a Sunday night's a big deal. So I think they take two out of three and and um, make things very interesting heading into next week. Good. All right, guys. So the Phillies are going to take two or three from the Braves, and they're going to get Madison Bumgarner next week. You heard it here first on Extra Innings. And I'm going to lose some weight. <laughs> All right. So we will, we'll be back with an, either an, a podcast at, at the very latest on trade deadline day after the, everything settles. But if something happens before then, we'll weigh in with an emergency podcast if, if the Phillies do pull a trade off before the 31st. We'll have to get them to come up with a siren. Yes, we need a siren. We need a siren. A siren emoji, emoji at the very least. Yeah, we need bells. We need uh, sound effects. It's going to be huge. We're going to borrow the uh, smoke emergency, machine from the Phillies clubhouse. Emergency, emergency, emergency. 
All right. For Scott Lawler and Bob Brookover, I'm Matt Breen. Thanks for listening to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can read all of our content at Inquirer.com and subscribe to Extra Innings at Inquirer.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening. Peace out.